The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. We are starting a brand new series this morning, and I feel very, uh, very uh, burdened about this just because Satan continues to attack families, and we continue to have all sorts of vain and worldly philosophies that go on and are constantly bombarding us. And so I want to take about the next four weeks and just deal with subjects of the family. And uh, this morning, will, uh, Lord willing, be, um, be practical and helpful to us all, but I intend for it to be uh, something that gives us confidence to face this world that, that is just uh, throwing all sorts of crazy things at us constantly. I mean, it's like, where does this come from? That doesn't, I've never heard that before. And, and so I want us to be able to answer from Scripture some things uh, that would, be, uh, that would uh, just kind of give us a bedrock, a, a foundation to be able to say, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is why I do what I do. And as well, as we think about it, our own families uh, struggle under the, the constant allurement, the constant pressure from the world, and we can get out of focus, right? We can, we can get you know, derailed in our own families, the way that we go about things or the way that we think. And so one of the purposes in coming to a service like this today and a service like tonight and a service like Wednesday night is to realign ourselves with the Word of God. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, like sometimes you come to a service and say, well, I didn't really need that today. We always need the Word of God, by the way. I didn't really need that today, but it's, it's sort of like brushing your teeth. You need to do it every day, and you need to, you need to constantly be doing it. Otherwise, you'll, you'll, you'll get problems, right? You're going to develop problems if you don't stay after it. And so that's why we're gathering together today, and that's why we're going to deal with some of these things. You say, well, I don't have a family. I'm just a, a single person. Do you know what? You're part of the, the greatest church family in the world, right? Grace Baptist Church right here. And, and what we learn together in this will help us. And at the end of the message, I, I pray that you'll help us to see we all have a part in promoting God's design for family in this world. It is being attacked severely, and we all have, an, uh, have the privilege, the obligation to be ambassadors to, to declare God's truth and God's design uh, in this very, very chaotic and very, very confused world. And so we're going to look at Genesis chapter number 2 and verse number 18. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. If you are a guest with us this morning, can I say thank you for being here? And uh, I am grateful that you've come today, and uh, I hope that you will uh, feel very, very welcome in this place. And if we can do anything for you, please let us know. We do have a gift for you at the end of the service, and thank you for uh, coming here today. I wanted to uh, uh, give note that my brother Shafin, is, uh, his wife Naomi, my sister-in-law, and their brood is here this morning with us. We're going to have Memorial Day together, and we're looking forward to that. But they're over from Indiana, and so I welcomed them this morning uh, with us. Genesis chapter number 2 in verse number 18, we are looking at the first home. The Bible says here, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. How many of you wondered where animal names came from? Right here. Adam named him, right? He was a very brilliant individual. Uh, there was no, there was no, uh, uh, there was no, um, you know, digression of his brain. I, that's not the right word, but there was no, uh, there was no deterioration of his brain. He was a very sharp individual, and he names all them, so God gave him that task, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that's a lot of living creatures, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was 
not found and help meet for him. And God was uh, bringing him through a little bit of an object lesson. He needed it, uh, he needed it clearly presented before him. Verse number 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took of his ribs and clothes of the flesh instead thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from Adam, he made a woman. God made a woman, right? God made her. And brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, this is what God is saying, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked and the man and his wife and were not ashamed. Let's ask God to bless the reading of his word. Father, we give you praise for your word this morning. And I give you praise specifically because right here in the first chapters of the Bible, you lay out so much truth that we need to exist in this culture. So help us, Lord, to be guided by your truth, not to be guided by culture, but to be guided by your truth. I pray that you would realign our thinking today and that we'd all joyfully and gladly submit to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. I have a tape measure here. And uh, this is a uh, 25-foot tape measure, and uh, all along there are uh, the markings, as most every one of you have opened up a tape measure and looked inside, there's the markings for what are uh, inches and feet. Uh, there's quarter inch, there's eighth inch, there's sixteenth inch, and you know, all the different markings that are there. And uh, if you've worked construction, you're very familiar with this and the importance of this. You can't build a house, you can't do much of a project without a tape measure, right? Uh, guys, you all understand that. Ladies, you understand. How many of you uh, wish, ladies, that, you're, uh, that your husband would use a tape measure sometime, especially when he's hanging pictures and not just wing it? Did we just get, like, did we actually just get confrontational right there? Right? Sorry, guys. We'll make it up. Um, but nonetheless, the tape measures the tape measures really, really important. Now, ladies, I do not have up here one of those glass Pyrex uh, measuring cups that has the two cups. It has the red letters on the outside or the blue letters. If it's from Anchor Hawking or whatever, it's, I think it's the blue. Uh, and Pyrex is the red. And you know, you know it has all the measurements on there. And how many guys here are thankful that your, late, uh, your wives don't wing it in the kitchen when they're measuring out like the salt or you know, measuring out, or maybe they do. Here's the, here's the time we're getting back, right? But you know what? These are, these are systems or standards of measurement that are very important, whether for building... I mean, sometimes you come in, maybe especially you buy a house, and you think, did they measure? Did they measure when they built this thing? Like, uh, did you realize that trim should go all the way to the edge, not stop there? Did you realize that you should have measured and you should have followed a standard there, right? And so systems of measurement, whether in building or in cooking, are very, very important. And, you know, especially in in building, uh, hearing a contractor say something like that, it looks like it's the right size, isn't good enough right? It isn't good. It doesn't cut it. Well, it looks like the right amount of of baking soda. I'll tell you a story here, and I I should not digress too much. I interned in uh, Richmond, Virginia, and I stayed with this older couple, and we, boy, we, it was a wonderful summer. She was a wonderful cook, except for this one Sunday afternoon. We were having roast, 
and she, was, she made this beautiful roast, and, uh, and there was a gravy, and she was in the kitchen for a very long time. She could not figure out why her, her gravy was not thickening up. And so she f- finally, she's just like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm, we're just going to eat it as it is, all right? We're going to eat it as it is. So we sit down, we pray, and we, we pour out the gravy on top of this roast, and it's just moist. It looks really great. It's steaming. You can get the picture, and it's amazing. And I take a bite of that roast, and I'm telling you, it sizzled all the way down my throat. Do you know what? Any of you ladies know what she did? She put baking soda in that. <laughs> I'm telling you what. I actually was not, I, I said, ma'am, I think I know what the problem was because I looked across the, 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 uh, the kitchen and there, there was a box of baking soda. Yes, she did that. But, you know, measurements are super, super important. Uh, measurements, you know, it's all right to put baking soda in, but too much baking soda makes for, a, you know, a mess and sizzling meat going down your throat. I mean, it's, it's just not good. But standards of measurement are very important. But the problem is many times we get used to going along, we get good at what we're doing, and we neglect the standard. We neglect the absolute. And you know what happens in our families? Well, I go to church. I, I serve in the church. We open the Bible. But you know what? There are many times in our Christian families we begin to neglect the absolute standard of God's word, and we begin saying, ah, it looks like that'll work. Boy, that sounds pretty good. We hear something on TV. That sounds pretty good. Oh, that new book came out. And we don't measure it up to the standard of God's word. And then we, we go six months, a year, and we realize, you know what? That, that actually, that actually didn't, didn't really work. That just kind of made a mess. That, that, what I allowed into my marriage, what I allowed into my family, that, that really just kind of messed things up. I, there's some damage from that. All because we don't go back to the standard. More than you need a parenting book, I'm not knocking them, more than you need a parenting book or a marriage book, you need the Word of God, the standard. Are you with me? The standard is uber important. And so as we think about this, this morning, my, my goal over the next, the next four weeks is to take some time to look at the Word of God and to bring us back to a standard. Our culture is running as fast as they can away from the standard of God's word. Stop following them. I mean, don't, don't even give them an eye. They, they, they are running. They are, they, are, they are throwing dust. They're throwing rocks. I mean, it's like someone's burning out of the driveway trying to get away from God's word. That, that, is, that is the position, the posture of our culture. We have no business at all taking um, parenting instructions or marital instructions from Hollywood or from anyone on, on the TV, and for that, that matter, that, that is in that, in that group. They, they, they are totally disregarding God's word. They are messed up in their thinking in that way. They have not aligned themselves with the truth of God's word, and we have no business following after that. And so we must go back to God's standard. Now, I want to remind us of this. The Bible says in Luke 18 and verse number 8, I will tell you that he will avenge them speedily, talking about Jesus. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he, here's a question, shall he find faith on the earth? Shall he find faith on the earth? Is he going to find a group of people? Is he going to find a, a person? Is he going to find a, a wife and a husband and a, and a teenager and a child that are placing faith in the standard of God's word and saying, by this I will live. I will not live by the rules of the world. I will not be moved by the, by the trends of culture, but I am going to place faith in this 
and this is what is going to guide me throughout life. Is he going to find faith on the earth? Faith in his revealed truth, faith in who he is as the word of God. It's a good question. Is he going to find faith at Grace Baptist Church when he comes back? Just because we're inside of a church doesn't mean that we're living according to on God's word. Realize that many people go into, go into a church like this and, and don't live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday according to God's word. This was simply a checklist to fulfill a religious obligation. Will he find faith in our lives? And so when we talk about faithful families, not just faithful in the sense of the, the word faithful, you know, they're consistent, they're reliable, but full of faith kind of family. A family that is full of faith towards God, that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, regardless of what other people do, regardless of what other people within the church do, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to place faith in the revealed standard of God's word. This is what is going to tell us what to do in our family. By God's grace, I as a husband, I'm going to lead according to this and not according to what feels good or what's convenient or what, what makes sense at the time. I'm not going to lean to my own understandings, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but I am going to express faith. I am going to demonstrate faith in the revealed standard of God's word. I'm going to constantly be realigning myself with God's truth. As we do that and seek to be faithful families, we're going to learn about valuing God's design this morning. We're going to learn about realizing there's enemies all around us and there are specific enemies that we're going to help identify in our families today that will help each one of us, whether you have a family, whether your children are grown and gone, whether it's just a matter of trying to help the church be a better church family, we'll all learn about these, these uh, enemies that are very present. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and learn about living by faith from the parents of Moses. Some amazing truth there that God gives us in a couple of verses in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And then we're going to finish it out by determining as faithful families, determining to serve the Lord together. Not dad doing his thing, mom doing his, her thing, and the children doing their thing, but serving God together, having a purpose and a vision for our family in that way. And so that's what we're going to do over the next next weeks and we're going to do that together and i encourage you to be a part of everyone don't don't sit out i don't have a family don't sit out you have a part in this church family you have a part in influencing other families for god and according to his design now the bible tells us in matthew 16 18 that jesus promised us i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it right but do you know what a church will be only as strong as the families within the church I'm insignificant here. No, you're not. I'm single. I don't... You're significant. I'm not married yet. You're significant. I've never been married. You're significant. I have young family. You're significant. My kids are grown and gone. You're significant. I, I, I come from a broken home, or I have a broken home. You're significant. I've been divorced. You're significant. Every single person in this church is significant to this family. And Jesus wants to build us individually, and he will continue to build his church. And so let's take this time over these next four weeks to allow him to do that by building kind of the, the foundation of the church, which is the family, the first institution. And so let's learn together, except the Lord build a house, build the house, they labor in vain that build it, except the Lord keep a city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Do you realize that we can't do it without the Lord. The problems you're facing in your family, your marriage right now, and your relations within your family, 
You cannot get through them without the Lord's help. Have you bent a knee and said, Lord, I need you? Have you said, would you build me through this one? Have you acknowledged to him that you need him? Well, uh, yeah, he knows I need him. No, have you acknowledged in prayer that you need him? Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. There is vanity, it's emptiness to continue to build and to place effort to try to get to a, a desired end without saying, Lord, I need you to show up and I need you to take care of this matter. I need you to do it. What does the Bible tell us about the first home, the first family that would help us as we uh, seek to value God's design? This morning, I want us to realize very basically, and I think we'd all agree here this morning, that God created humanity. We have to start there. God created, as we come to the first chapters of the Bible, God created humanity. And I want you to notice that he created two genders. I never thought in all of my life that that would be a, a, a unpopular thing to say. If you go to Facebook to set up an account, you're going to find that you can choose from some 70 different gender options. Do you realize that that is the way that our world is going? We are in so much chaos right now. There is, there is chronic chaos and confusion about this very matter of gender. Do you realize that God created two genders? How many agree with me about that this morning? Amen? Created two genders. The Bible says... Genesis 1 and verse number 26. You say, I've never known where to go in the Bible to prove this, all right? Mark this in your Bible. Genesis 1 and verse 26. And the Lord God said, let us make man in our own image, in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Now notice, you see, what, is it? what does God define very, very clearly in black and white for us? Male and female created he, uh, he them. Say that with me. Male and female created he them. That's what it is. That settles it. That's what God did. Scientifically, we can observe that, that that is true. If you did not have this in God's word, you could look around and scientifically, we could understand that this is the case. This is, this is something that is observable and understandable to a, an open heart. So man is formed, and as we go into chapter number two, what, what's happening, verse, uh, chapter number one, God overviews how he created everything. Chapter number two dives in a little bit further on how he created the crowning jewel of creation, which is man, mankind. So in chapter number two, verse number seven, we see how that God specifically formed man and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. All right, guys, you thought you were something? You're really just dirt, right? We're just dirt. We're just, that's what we are. That's pretty amazing. And, and, and ladies... That, you, your rib, <laughs> you, you're, you're kind of, you're secondary to that, but you know, you know what I'm saying? You, you didn't come directly from the ground. You came from, from man, and that's an amazing thing. We'll get to that in a second, but guys, you know what? It's pretty humbling to think that God just kind of scooped up some dust and said, all right, I'm going to make man. Remember that when we uh, start feeling all hot shot in our, you know, in our jobs and in our living, and here's what happens. Here's, here's the real value to that dust and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. What makes your heart beat, what gives you breath is the breath that God gave to you this morning. The reason you're here this morning, the reason that you're breathing this morning is because God gave you that. 
That's an amazing thing. That gives you inherent, intrinsic value today. You're not, you're not worthless. And some of you might think, boy, I'm worthless. I've messed up. No, you have the breath of God in your lungs, and you are valuable in the eyes of Creator God. He scooped up that He made you and breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. God was right there giving Adam life. That life came from God, not from man. And here's another thing that is under debate today, whether life is um, from God, but it is from God, according to the Word of God. We need to realign with our, our thinking. We need to know where to go in the Bible to prove this. And from conception to the grave, life is valuable and it's sacred. Even in our own, though I'm thankful for the heartbeat bill and thankful for what's happened in our state, it doesn't go actually far enough. You say, that's radical. No, that's biblical. The Bible says from the moment, the moment God gave that life, that is God's life that he gave. And how it happened, sometimes the sin of man and some incredible wrongs have happened in order for that life to be conceived. But understand, from conception to the grave, that life is a gift from God. Just remember, even if some incredible wrongs were done, there are some people who are living right now who were birthed out of incredible wrongs that have made great changes in the world today. God has a plan for their life. You think about abortion, it's a violation of God-given life at whatever stage. And if they want it, if they want it, you know, uh, uh, just a little bit after conception or, you know, around the heartbeat or whatever, it, it's just the same Killing a baby there, murdering a baby at that, at that step is the same as murdering a baby when it comes out of the womb. I know there's some folks here, and I, I, I realize I might be speaking to someone that has had an abortion. You know what? I do not want to add to your grief, your guilt, your struggle with that. And I want you to know, I want you to hear me loud and clear. God forgives. And can I hear an amen to that church? Listen, Jesus wants to rescue you out of that, rescue you from the guilt. He wants to put that in the path. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. The biggest thing that you need to do, if that's the case in your life, is acknowledge the sin of it and take of the forgiveness of God for it and let it go. I'm serious about that. Don't be tormented any longer. But it does not mean that we should not still... In fact, if that's your story, you should be the one standing up all the more and speaking out against it. Because you know the hurt. You know the after effects of it. 2019, Pew Research did a survey of church sermons that hit websites in America. In the spring of 2019, only 4% of sermons that were found on church websites ever mentioned the sin of abortion. And we wonder why America is running so far away from God so fast because churches like ours and churches all around our nation are not willing to stand up and say, you know what? God says this, life is sacred from the moment of conception and on, and we must stand for life. And by God's grace, we're going to stand for life. We don't want to be nasty about it, but the fact is, there's always healing in Jesus Christ. This message is actually a message of mercy. To never talk about it, just to scoot it under the rug and let people struggle in silence is cruelty. It is ministerial uh, misconduct to do that. Now, I, I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but I'm, just, I, I'm urging us all to stand with God on life Number one, and I'm urging anyone who has experienced the horror of abortion to seek the help of the Lord Jesus Christ and let us bless you and help you. Don't, don't bear it alone. 
euthanasia. And it's amazing that we, we start thinking about, oh, okay, well, it's, it's okay to end life. You know that? You say, well, that's not a big thing. Actually, according, according to the, uh, the Gallup poll, uh, 57% of Americans say that doctor-assisted suicide is morally acceptable. Did you hear that? You know what's going on in our nation? You know how hard Satan's attacking life? Even in some of the highest places in our land, people aren't, aren't sure that after 75 that you're still valuable. How many are over 75 in here today? I'm thankful for you. And you're valuable to God. No matter what anyone says up in Washington, you're valuable to God. And the fact that we're moving in this, we've, we've, been, we've been killing babies for years and years and years, and the fact that we're getting to this point that we're okay with, you know what, you know, you've gotten to the, beyond your, your most useful parts of your life, let's, let's take care of you. The fact is God, in your, breath, in your lungs, the breath of life, you are valuable to God. No one but God has the right. You say, where does it say that in the Bible? Thou shalt not kill. It's pretty clear. And so we have to align ourselves with the word of God. Does that make our culture uncomfortable? Absolutely it makes our culture uncomfortable. Our culture hates God. And so is it any wonder that they also would hate his truth? And they would hate those that speak on his truth. And so the fact is, we must stand for God. Man was formed. God gave him breath. He is intrinsically valuable before creator God. And then God formed woman. We find in Genesis 2 and verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to um, fall upon Adam. We read how that he fell asleep. God removed, did a surgery. Interesting. Removes a rib. Guys, you wonder about that? I mean, just an amazing thing. He removes a rib, and he makes from this rib, he makes from, from man, he makes woman. What an what a amazing God we have. We'll get to it in a moment, but it's amazing how God led Adam to this point and how God knew exactly what he needed. All other men, one man said, have been born of women, but the first woman was made from man. First Timothy 2 and verse number 13, for Adam was first formed, then Eve, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 8, for the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Now, here's the thing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of racial tension in our world today that is stirred up by, by, those, by those who it profits. There is a lot of gender tension, right? But you know, in the eyes of God, nowhere here does it, it say that one was better than the other. I heard some women cheering on that one. You can, women, you can, you can wave a hanky. You can do whatever you want right now. The, the, the fact is, you, you are valuable and as valuable as men. We both have the breath, of lungs, uh, the breath of God in our lungs. Isn't that an amazing thing? God made you valuable. And by the way, it's cultures that step away from God that begin to devalue women. It's cultures that step away from God's truth that devalue. The real devaluing of women is, is outside of Christianity. And I, I agree that within, there are, some, there are some people who call themselves followers of Christ that devalue women, and that's not right. You don't hear a bunch of jokes on, coming from this pulpit about women. You won't. 
Why? Because it's not something to joke about. We're, we're valuable. We're both valuable before God. As a, an author said, both male and female were created in God's image. Thus both possess equally an eternal spirit capable of fellowship with God. Amen. And with their creator. Shared equally by men and women are all those spiritual attributes not shared by animals. Moral conscience, abstract thought, appreciation of beauty, emotional feelings, and especially the capacity for worshiping and loving God. Did we not just all sing praise to the Lord, the Almighty, together in one blended voice? Yes. God gave us that privilege as male and female, to worship him together. So from the first pages of Scripture, God is declaring that he himself decided to create two genders. It was him. Jesus affirms that in Mark 10 and verse number 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Jesus himself said this is the way that it was. And so it is that the transgender movement that we see rising in our, in our, our world, or at least being, it, it, at least, we have the perception of it rising because often those that are against God have the loudest voice, right? The critics and and the naysayers have the loudest voice. It's actually a much smaller percentage of our nation. But you understand, as we see this happening in our world and as we see the gender identity confusion going on all around us, well, today you can choose to be a woman and tomorrow you can choose to uh, uh, be the man that you, um, that you are. And you, you go back and forth and, and uh, I feel like going to the women's restroom today and, instead of the, um, the, the female restroom today. You know, all this, this going back, this confusion that is going on as well as some of the laws that are in debate right now, like the Equality Act right now, these are all, These are all just symptoms of man's rebellion against creator God. So what we see going on in our nation right now is not, oh, our nation coming to greater understanding. No, our nation is devolving, and our nation is stepping away from God, and all this confusion is coming because we forgot the standard. We're all male or female. You cannot switch just because you want to. It's impossible. It's scientifically impossible. God made it that way. I'll tell you what, the church is going to need to be ready to receive a very, very wounded and hurt culture. It's going to be like the days of Corinth. And such were some of you. Church, we better be ready. We better be ready. This culture is in a world of hurt as they rebel against God. And the way of the transgressor is what? Hard. Very hard. Those that stubbornly resist against God, oh, it's very, very hard. I want you to notice that he created two genders, but he also also commissioned both of those genders in activity. Notice in verse number 28, it says, chapter 1 and verse number 28, And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. There's two things that God said to this man and woman. Remember, chapter 2 is basically an expansion on chapter 1. Gives us more details. He's speaking to man and woman here in chapter number Chapter number 1 and verse number 28. Here's what you need to do. Be fruitful, multiply. You know that God's design was family. God thought of family first. 
God designed for us to have children, to raise children. God designed that. God blessed them. Think about that. God blessed them. Don't you want the blessing of God? Amen. God blessed these, these two created, newly created adults. He blessed them and he told them, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to have a family. It's not something to look down on. You know, amazed at how many people look down on family. Oh, you got five kids. Woo! Like, like this is mind, mind-blowing, you know. Yeah. I think about the people that have 18 or something like that, and start thinking, like, woo, man, that, that, that does give me, that gives me gray hair a whole lot faster. Um, but it's amazing how much family is looked down on. Oh, it's amazing. Why? Because, you know, so many times people think about, well, this is the life I'm going to live, and you know, this is what I you know, want to do, and boy, that would really cramp my style. The sad thing, and I need to just say this as a caveat, there are some folks that have never been able to have a family, and it's intensely painful for them to watch others make these kind of jokes or to even be asked, you know, when are you? You know, it's intensely painful. Um, God designed it. God put it, ladies, God put it in your heart. God put it in your heart to have a family. That's a God-given thing. And there's nothing as heartrending as a woman who wants to have a family and is barren, right? We, we see that in Scripture with Hannah. She's up at the house of the Lord, and she's struggling before the Lord, so much so that Eli thought she was drunk, right? It's a natural, it's a natural inclination of a woman's heart to say, oh, I want to I have, have a child. So God, God designed this. God made this. This isn't some archaic, you know, you know, thing from a patriarchal society. No, God came up with this. In the very first chapter of the Bible, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. What is this heritage? It's a gift from God. If God has blessed you with a family, praise his name. If God has blessed you with one, praise his name. If you've not been blessed in that way, I know, I know it's difficult. And I pray that God gives you grace to it. To, to go through that. So be fruitful, multiply. You know, paradise was an idleness. There was going to be work to do. Raising a family, even in paradise, would be work. Uh, I would want you to notice that at the end of che- uh, verse number 28, uh, they were not just to be fruitful, multiply, but they were to steward creation. So you have Adam and Eve here commanded by God together to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every living thing that moves upon the earth. Now notice this. He says, I want you to have dominion. This is the idea of stewardship. This is not a dominion over other men. Notice that really, really carefully because uh, culture always wants to move to control men. Governments always want to, to move and to grow into controlling men. But God did not design for men to control men. He designed here What he designed for was for man to dominate or to steward creation. I want you to think about this. Because sometimes we read over that and we're like, oh yeah, what does that have to do with me today? This wasn't like uh, Adam was to take over creation like in a military expedition. Okay, this isn't like that. The dominion has the idea uh, of intensive study of the earth and its creatures. In other words, Adam was expected by God to learn science to observe and to study his creation, and then to apply that knowledge 
You could call that technology. You could call it commerce. To take what he learned from God's creation and to apply it into daily living for the optimum benefit of mankind and the animals and ultimately for the glory of God. You know, so right from the get-go, family, science, technology, invention, commerce, all those things were, were God's expectation upon mankind. God gave that. Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 8 tells us we, whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Everything is about God. And here's the thing, friends. God put us here on this earth to have dominion, to have stewardship, but ultimately our lives are completely lived towards him. Whatever you do for a living, whatever you do in life, it's all for the Lord. Whether therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. And so Adam was to do that. And so they were commissioned in this way. And so as God created man and woman and commissioned them, he took them and he instituted the home. He instituted the home within the garden. The home and the family are the essential building blocks of human society. We need to understand that. The formation of the home was built on man and woman, male and female, the two basic building blocks of the home, male and female. God did that. The Bible says in Genesis 2 and verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Man and woman are the basic building blocks, the formation of the home. God designed it that way. Um, it's funny, when my son Jason sees my wife and I kissing, he goes, I now pronounce you man and wife every time. It's very funny. But you know what? From an early age, he's, he's seen a man and a woman living in holy matrimony, united in marriage, Right? That was God's design. By the way, it's not a bad thing for your kids to see you kissing. Okay, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things, one of the best things that you can do for your kids is to love your spouse. Yeah. So God was the one who came up with this. Man and woman together. Man plus woman, there's a marriage. When, they, they, when they're united before God, Marriage is the union of one man and one woman. And, and again, it's amazing how much right, right in the first chapters of the Bible, we are just so against culture. We're against the laws of our land. Did you ever believe we'd be at that point? That that statement on the screen is, is actually, is actually not, not accepted as, as fundamentally true and, and even legally true. So, so understand something here. Any time that we digress from this, chaos ensues. I was reading in Genesis, and what struck me, Brother Snyder, is the fact that we get to Abraham and Sarah, and they digress from God's original pattern. If they had gone back to the standard, it would have saved them a whole lot of heartache, and actually would have saved the world a whole lot of heartache too. But if they'd gone back to the standard, they would have realized, no, marriage is between one man and one woman, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't take my servant. But he did. And you know what? Immediately, there was chaos. Jealousy, problems, and chaos. Immediately. Anytime we stray from God's standard, there's chaos. Anytime. We need to admit that. Now, I'm sure Abraham had a lot of times talking to the Lord. Well, that was, a, that was a big mistake on my part. Satan has undermined and attacked the family since the Garden of Eden. Look at 
look at it. As soon as God says this, that, that in verse 25, they were together, man and woman, they were not ashamed. And we open up chapter number three. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, and said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of, the, uh, 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 of every tree of the garden. And immediately, right away, as we come into chapter number three, we see the home being attacked. We see their marriage. We see the holiness. We see their separateness to God being attacked. Right away, uh, Satan is constantly undermining and constantly attacking the family in ways we don't even understand. Some of the ways in our own country is the disregarding of marriage. It's interesting today that a larger share of adults have cohabitated than have been married. Now, that, I don't think that's shocking. But what, what might, might be of interest to you, according to Pew Research, most Americans, 69% of them, say a cohabitation is acceptable even if a couple doesn't plan to get married. And I'm telling you right now, we still believe the Bible that it is right to get married and then to live together. Let me say that again. We still believe the Bible that it is right to get married and then to live together. That is God's designed order. That is God's plan. God says that marriage is, is to be where that relationship takes place, and it's within that, that marriage that you can enjoy living together. He said, we're so far away from that in our country today. People don't think anything of just shacking up. Friends, I'm telling you, that's not God's desired plan, and you might think that it's for your, uh, your good right now, but the fact of the matter is, it will not be for your good. It causes heartache, it causes scar, it causes problems. So we are disregarding marriage. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal. God designed marriage. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We're redefining marriage. In June of two, on 26, 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court held in a 5-4 decision that the 14th Amendment requires all states to grant same-sex marriage and recognize same-sex marriages uh, granted to, in other states. We redefined marriage as a country. Like, when, the, when that was happening in my mind, like, you cannot, you cannot go back and redefine something that has been defined for millennium, millennia. This has already been defined. It's already been settled. God already said it. And what's amazing to me right now as we look across the world, give me the next map. As we look across the world, here is the world that accepts homosexual marriage. That accepts it. It's been legalized or partly legalized in these, on these portions of the world, the dark, the dark gray. Look at where it is not. And we who are founded on Judeo-Christian values have stated to the world, it's okay. Do you know, friends, I'm telling you, what we're experiencing, the chaos we're experiencing in our country right now, I guarantee you, is in, in, in part to, to next to all an act of judgment from God for thumbing our nose at him and saying, you know what, we'll do it our way. We'll go against science, we'll go against everything, we'll do it our way. We don't need your standard. We don't need your absolute truth. We don't need it anymore. This is not, friends, do you understand? This is not about going down, uh, coming down on a person that is struggling with this. Sin is deceptive. Satan is wicked. And he's blinded their eyes. We should expect lost people to do what lost people do. But it doesn't mean that we withhold the message that it's wrong. It will hurt you. It will damage your soul. It's going to destroy your life. 
There's a better way to go. There's a, there's a way that God planned, and if you'll go that way, it will be so much better. And so we have, as a nation have redefined marriage. Oh, it's okay if you, you still go the traditional route. Traditional marriage? Like, like, like there was another kind of marriage? You see how crazy we have, we have gone, how so far we have come from the Bible and from God's absolute standard? It's amazing. Jesus confirmed in the New Testament, for this cause shall man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Jesus confirmed in the New Testament marriages between one man and one woman. No matter how confused our culture gets, we have to choose to govern ourselves by the word of God. We don't budge. This is our standard. We believe at Grace Baptist Church, this is our standard for faith and practice. And we're going to take this standard and we're going to go out to a lost, hurting, damaged, broken, scar-filled world and say, you know what, there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's a better way. And you know, there's some that don't want to hear it. Okay, that's their choice. But there are those that are locked up in lifestyles that are so against God that, that are desperately seeking a way out. And would we be the type of people, by the way, come back tonight, we're going to talk about our disposition as we have the right doctrinal stand. You know what? They need the love of the Lord Jesus Christ to say, come on, there's a better, there's a better way. You know what? As well, in our, in our culture, some of our young people, I guarantee you, they're, Satan's going to stir up the confusion in their own hearts. We as a church need to not be like, I can't believe you even said something like that. We need to be ready to give biblical answers and help and pray through. Are you with me, church? What happens when someone in your family says, Dad, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a boy. I don't know if I'm a boy. Because they've been hearing it. Come on. Well, that doesn't happen in a Christian family. Hold up. Are we just going to kick that one under the rug? Or are we going to deal with it biblically and love them back to Jesus? And help them understand you can accept your identity, who God made you to be. Well, if, I, if, if this was known in any way, it would be so shameful. Listen, don't, don't practice this. Throwing it under the rug and just, you know, the, ignore the problem and it'll go away. No, it won't. Deal with the problem. The best way through a problem is through a problem. Deal with it with the word of God. So God is the one that created this. And by the way, when a person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, he has the power to change their, change their heart and their understanding and their thinking by the renewing of the mind, right? Be transformed, Romans chapter number, uh, 12, and chapter, uh, verse number 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So he has the power to bring them out. So God formed the first home with Adam and Eve, male and female. What instructions did he give? And we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here. You I told my wife this morning, I said, I hope I can get through this message. I can't get through the message. So I'm amazed, friends, that there is so much packed into Genesis. There is so much that God lays out here in the first chapters. We do well to really heed the first things that he gave us. And so the instruction in the home, look at it with me. So you're married, or you're looking forward to it, or you're counseling others that, that, that are you're praying for others. What does the Bible say? What is the, the, the standard? So look at verse number 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. And so the first thing that God says to the, this new home is, hey, remember this, that when you get married, 
in the sight of God, make sure that you leave father and mother. Well, that doesn't sound very nice. Well, you know what? There's actually, there's actually a lot of problems that gets created within a marriage when this is overlooked. Because mom still wants to dominate the, the new family. By the way, moms, could I encourage you? Let them follow God's word. Let them leave father, mother, and cleave to each other. Uh, they might make some decisions that you don't want them to, right? But the Bible says they're to leave father, mother, and cleave to the wife. Um, marriage of a man and a woman constitutes a new home. They have a new home. That man is now responsible before God for how he leads that home. Isn't that an awesome thought, guys? Wow. Before God, he's going to keep us and hold us accountable for that, that new home. So leave is to leave behind and depart, to not take along. God says that. God was the one who said that. There is to be a separation. There's a new home. It doesn't mean you don't uh, uh, share holidays together. It doesn't mean any of that. But it does mean that you are responsible. There is a new home that you're responsible for. And so even this, as I, as I think about this, wives, you can help your new home be a, a, a new home, a new entity, uh, by making sure, boy, if you have problems, don't, don't go back and, you know, sh uh, have Friday share all my husband's problems with my mo uh, mom, you know, uh, the phone call or over coffee, you know, all right, this is what my husband, he's such a jerk, you know, he leaves his, you know, socks out by the bed, and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is, and you just go dump it all on mom, you know what, you got problems, and sometimes you might need to get counsel, and that's all right, that's all right, counsel's all right in marriage, it's a good thing, but there is a sense where you've left father and mother, cleave, don't, don't get mom or don't get dad to try to adjust something inside your marriage. If you need to get counsel, get counsel. But understand, God said to leave father and mother, cleave unto uh, the wife. Uh, when young couples get married and are dependent financially on their parents still, it makes it hard to leave father and mother and cleave to the wife. And all the older parents said, that wasn't loud enough. <laughs> yeah, it makes it hard. That's why I believe the Proverbs says this, Proverbs 24 and verse 27, prepare thy work without and make it fit for thyself in the field and afterwards build thy house. What's the idea? Get established, get financially stable, have a direction, and then build your house. There's some wise counsel inside of that statement. Guys, if you want to get married, young men, you want to get married someday, learn to have a good work ethic, find a good job, do what God wants you to do, prepare your field, prepare your career, prepare your financial basis, and then step into marriage. And then build your house so that you can leave father, mother, and cleave to, uh, to the wife. And I know in this day when, when there, is, there is debt and, uh, and debt has just become such a, a huge part of, of life. Uh, there's college debt, student debt, and so on. It, it makes it very, very difficult. But can I encourage you, always go back to the standard. Align yourself with the standard of God's word. Don't, don't go into marriage um, financially dependent upon your, upon your parents. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out. Uh, you know, Planning, you know, we need a, we're going to get married, but we don't have a house, so we'll just, we'll just bunk at my parents' house. Listen, listen, 
that's not a good way to leave father and mother and cleave to the wife, just really practically. This is all part of preparing yourself for marriage. And listen, guys, it's work to prepare yourself for marriage. And every man in here should be able to take this, this little bit, a piece of information. And as the Bible says in the book of Timothy, the older men teach the younger men to be sober-minded. To not be, you know, frittering through life and, you know, just all focused on video games and you know, entertainment and so on. And focus on going to this thing and that thing. Hey, I, I want to encourage you. You're, you're, you're 16, you're, you're 17, you're 18. You know what? Marriage isn't that far off for you. And I want to share with you how God taught me and led me into marriage and some of the things I needed to plan for. And right now, if you start making some plans, it'll make a huge difference in your life. And you know what? Every older man in this church has that opportunity of ministry. Pretty amazing. So God says, leave, father, mother, cleave to the wife. That's the second thing, cleave to the wife. Look at verse number 24, cleave, to join, be united with. Uh, the idea is to become inseparable, uh, to be glued together. Uh, the idea to unite in interest, affection, to adhere with strong attachment. So what God is, is saying, marriage is not to be two roommates living in the same house. I just lost the congregation. Come on now. That's true. God said that there is to be a cleaving relationship. There is to, they are to be close. They are to be united. They're not just to be two people living inside the same house. And so the Bible helps us understand that it is to be a close relationship. It is to be a permanent relationship. Not, well, you know, I don't love them anymore. I'll just drop out. You know, there's someone else that you know, makes me happy. I'll just drop out. No, listen, you need to erase divorce from your marital vocabulary. And you need to determine by God's grace to go back to the standard and realize that God said he wanted you to cleave to that. Well, I don't like him. I don't like her. I understand you might be in a really rough time right now. But it's not going to get better if you disregard God's word more. You hear me? It's not going to get better. There is, Satan is a master user of Photoshop. He'll make it appear like it's better if you'll just choose the easy way out. But I'll guarantee you, if you do not start choosing God's way, it will only get harder and harder in your life. Promise. Promise. And there's, there's, there's a bunch of stories in the Bible that, that underscore that. So the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 10, Jesus talking, and they twain shall be one flesh, so then they shall no more be twain, they, and they're not going to be two, but one flesh, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Any other guys want to jump in on that? Amen? Yeah. No one. God put it together. Now, if you're in a, mar a marriage, then it's God's will for you to stay in that marriage and to make it work. If you're not married, you <laughs> You need to start praying, God, God, I need your help if you lead me into a marriage to make sure that I go into it with permanence in mind, permanence as my determination. Uh, the Bible says in Matthew 19, 18, because people talk about this divorce. Well, you know, there's divorce in the Bible. What did Jesus say? He says, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but that 
but from the beginning, it was not so. It was never God's design. And so just because there is divorce in society and just because 39% of our society uh, is divorced and it, that is actually coming down, but a lot of it has because more and more people are cohabitating, right? So that's not really a true, a true, true number. But just because it is in our society doesn't mean we still don't say, hey, God's absolute standard is one man with one woman for life. And don't go into marriage unless you are absolutely certain about that. And if you're toying about that within a marriage right now, you need to get aligned with God's standard. He said this. Now, I realize there's physical abuse that happens inside of marriages, and that, that, that's something that needs to be addressed and immediately. And I, I am not, I'm not telling you to stay and just uh, take blows. You need to get that addressed immediately. But God's goal for your life, God's ideal, God's revealed standard is cleave to your wife, men. By the way, did you notice, guys, that that was given to you? Did you notice that? You have the responsibility to be close to your wife. Well, if she would only... Hold up. You have that responsibility. You have that responsibility. And then to weave, lastly, it says, and they shall be one flesh. Uh, again, not two roommates living in the same, uh, same lives and separate agendas and visions and bank accounts. It's, it's, it's together. That's the idea. Two lives blended together. Marriage was designed to flourish in purity. That's the idea of uh, verse number 25. Uh, they were unashamed in, in their, their marriage, and God designed it to, uh, to last and to exist and to flourish within purity. Marriage is honorable. Hebrews 13, verse number 4 is honorable in all. Now notice that marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Now here I want to say something very, very important. I've realized the audience today and I also realized the audience that people on, on, on TV and everywhere around, this is all talked about out in the world very, very openly. Sometimes we get into church and we're like, we don't, we don't talk about any of this type of stuff. But you realize that our, our children even are hearing it at earlier and earlier and earlier age. So I just, want to, I just want to say this, that intimacy, sexual intimacy, is a beautiful gift from God. God was the one that designed this. So it's not Hollywood's idea. This was a beautiful gift from God. And I want to also say this, it is just like a fire. I want every teenager to understand this. It is just like a fire. Inside of marriage, it's like a fire in a fireplace. Beautiful, relaxing, it's a wonderful thing. Outside of the fireplace, it is damaging. It burns down houses. It destroys lives. It destroys fortunes. Inside of the fireplace, wonderful. Outside of the fireplace, not wonderful. And you know what the world says? No, just have as much of it outside the fireplace as you want. And you know what I say? You're playing with fire. And that's what the proverb says. I didn't say that, by the way. God actually said, you're playing with fire. And friends, no matter where you are in your life, and maybe that's not been your story, do you realize that it doesn't mean we disregard the standard? Because here's what I see happening in a lot of Christians who come from a broken background and have made mistakes. They'll say, well, I, I did that. I got pregnant out of wedlock, or I... I uh, shacked up, or I, and then they live the rest of their life trying to hide that and not really stand against it. You know what we need to do? 
We need to acknowledge where we fell short of the standard and then promote the standard. Why? Because if you do not do that, the next generation will repeat your error. Well, I don't want my kids to know. Maybe at some point, at an appropriate time, it would be right for them to know. You know what? I, I, didn't, I didn't follow God's standard, but I want you to. And the fact of the matter is, we live in a society that is, that is pushing away God's standard, and I even see it right within good Christian churches, Bible-believing churches, where people are so ashamed of their past that they, they, they are afraid to stand against the sin of their past in society. So here's my, here's my goal, and, and we're going to go a little further next week, but here's, here's really one of my goals this morning was this. You and I need to acknowledge the standard no matter where we are according to the standard. We need to acknowledge it. This is right. This is always right. God is always right. Can I get an amen in there? God is always right. And then no matter where I am with that, I want to align myself with it, and then I want to promote it. I want to promote it in society. I want to be the one that's promoting it in my lifestyle. I want to be showing the world around me. Guys, I, we need to be wanting to show the world, our coworkers around us, that we have a close marriage, that we're cleaving to our wife. Hey, why don't you go out, you know, why don't you go out with us afterwards? No, my wife needs me at home. We plan to do this, and it's my greatest delight to go home to my wife. It's not, I'm being torn here, like, I don't know what to do. Like, uh, go out with the boys or go home to my... Come on now. Go home to wife. And our world beats up on this so much. Right in the first pages of Scripture, we see we're to leave, we're to cleave, we're to weave, we're to be together in purity. Purity. Let me just say one more thing. True love will never lead someone else or encourage someone else to violate God's word. So the world says that I love you, and they're talking about a sensual love. That is not love. That is self-centeredness. God said the marriage bed is undefiled, and God said that whoremongers and adulterers, he will judge. That is something between him. I want to show you one, uh, one other verse. The Bible says in First on, on Corinthians 6 and verse 18, and this is spoken to a church like us. So I, I say it to all of us. Flee fornication. You say, what's wrapped up in that? About every sexual sin. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth, is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. You know how they, they have proved it over and over that, that literally that particular sin, those type, that category of sins, sexual sins, actually reshapes, rewires the brain. Friends, God knew what he was saying when he said, if you don't follow my standard, you're literally going to cause your body damage. Not that's irrevocable. It, 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 it hurts, but you're literally going to cause your body a damage that you will deal with. Why would we not? Why would we not want to, to promote to everyone around, live after God's standard, follow God's standard, do what God says. It's the best way. Why would we not want to say that? 
we need, we need a whole lot of people just like you and like the Grace Baptist Church to, to be, you know what, we're on God's side no matter what. And I'm on God's side, and I wasn't always on God's side. I didn't always do the right thing, and I'm still on God's side. I'm on God's side no matter what. This is where I am. And for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're with God. So I don't know where this affects you today, but I know, I know our, culture, our culture is a mess, and, and we're products of our culture. And we need to, we need to be realigned with the, with the Word of God today. And so let's take some time to pray and realign in prayer with what he's taught us this morning. Would you bow with me? It's always wise to submit to the instruction of God. Always. A wise man hears instruction. He receives instruction that he may be wise. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.